I thank God for all who have led us in worship today and for the uh, distinctive blessing of being together on this fourth Sunday of Advent, Christmas Eve. We continue a sermon series entitled, What Child Is This? And we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. I'll read from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of the sermon is, Leaves in the Wind. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now... Your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word. And Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. This time of year in my neighborhood... Leaves are everywhere. Sometimes there are so many leaf blowers going at the same time that it sounds like drivers revving their engines before a race begins. I've even wondered on occasion if some of my neighbors are engaged in some sort of leaf blowing contest. Although fall is transitioning to winter, leaves are still prominent. They are stacked in long piles along the edge of the road. They compose a thick layer of ground covering in the wooded areas, and they are still all over our yard. But not our driveway. I regularly clear leaves off the driveway because it can get slick when covered with leaves, especially when it rains. To clear the driveway, I have a strategic scheme, a well-organized plan that I follow. At the bottom of the driveway, 
I blow the leaves into the road beside the curb. In the middle of the driveway, I blow the leaves into the wooded area beside the driveway. And at the top of the driveway, I blow the leaves into the edge of the backyard. One day when I was out blowing leaves, one of my neighbors walking by said, Do you know why we do that? I said, uh, To make things look nice? He said, So we can do it again. He's right. The wind blows, the leaves fall, I'll blow off the driveway. The wind blows, the leaves fall, I'll blow off the driveway again and again. It is a continuous cycle. Although blowing leaves serves aesthetic purposes, it also offers an illusory sense of mastery. It makes us feel like we have everything under control in a neat and tidy fashion. But the wind can mess it all up, even for the most conscientious leaf blowers among us. The wind can send leaves every which way at any given moment, no matter how hard we try to organize them. I've been thinking about the wind because the wind of God, or Holy Spirit plays a key role in Luke's gospel. The Greek term is pneuma, which can mean wind, breath, or spirit. It suggests that God's spirit is like the wind. It's powerful, it's unpredictable, and it's invisible. But its effects are quite perceptible, and it can mess up our strategic schemes and well-organized plans that give us an illusory sense of control. Mary certainly learned this lesson because the wind of God, the Holy Spirit, played a foundational part in Jesus' birth story. When God first sent the angel Gabriel, to foretell Jesus' birth. The announcement did not take place in Rome, Athens, or Jerusalem. It took place in a tiny town bereft of influence and devoid of prestige. The proclamation of Jesus' birth unfolded in a backwoods community in the Galilean hills. There was a saying back then, can anything good come out of Nazareth. Nazareth was synonymous with insignificance, known for its unimportance. But the wind of God was blowing. Mary, for her part, was just another villager. We hear nothing of her family lineage, Nothing of her tribe within Israel, nothing of her standing in the community, nothing of her role in broader society. She appears as an everyday teenager who's engaged to a young man named Joseph through the routine rhythms of arranged marriages. While Mary and Joseph were legally and socially bound, they had not yet moved in together as husband and wife. To this unassuming girl in an inconsequential 
village came the heavenly news of the most consequential birth in human history. The wind of God was blowing. Greetings, favored one, said Gabriel to Mary. The Lord is with you. Mary was instantly befuddled. And it's not hard to see why. Uh, she was an eighth or ninth grader, maybe, in a no-name town, minding her own business. She was a female in a male-dominated society, and heaven's angel approached her as God's favored one? What makes me so special, she wondered. I'm no government official. I'm no business executive. I'm no priest at the temple. I'm no rabbi at the synagogue. I'm an everyday member of the hoi polloi, a regular person living a mundane life. Why would God favor me? Don't be afraid, Gabriel reassured her, for you have found favor with God. There's that word favor again. The Greek term is charis, which means grace. God was extending divine grace to Mary. <laughs> this grace was unearned, undeserved, and unmerited. It was a free gift of God, all wrapped up with Mary's name on it. The wind of God was blowing. The angel told Mary she would give birth to a son. While she may have been an ordinary young woman, her baby would be no ordinary child. What child is this? This is the son of the Most High, said Gabriel, the progeny of the Almighty. <laughs> what child is this? This is Jesus, said Gabriel, a name that means God has saved. What child is this? This is the long-promised king, said Gabriel, who would reign over the house of Israel. What child is this? This is the offspring of David, said Gabriel, just as 2 Samuel 7 says, Thus you shall say to my servant David, I will raise up your offspring after you. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. The birth of this child, therefore, would realize the hopes of Israel, fulfill the prophecies of Scripture, and debut a new ruler with an everlasting kingdom. The wind of God was blowing. Mary was chosen to bear the most extraordinary infant in history. Mary was summoned to mother the most distinguished child of all time. Mary was called to parent the most significant individual ever to walk the earth. She had barely passed the age of playing with dolls and God was calling her to raise the most important baby ever. And get this, Mary believed all this. Talk about going with the flow. One day she's doing history homework the next day, she's mother of the Savior. 
One day she's playing hopscotch. The next day she's the Messiah's mom. I don't know what kind of strategic scheme Mary had developed for her life. I don't know what type of plans she may have in mind for her future. But I do know that Gabriel's announcement radically altered the course of her existence in a totally unanticipated manner. I do know that the divine word she received blew all of her plans right out the window. (laughs) We might likewise have certain aspirations for our life, well-organized plans for our future, strategic schemes for our family, our career, our retirement, or our ministry. But let the Spirit of God start blowing and let the Word of God start rumbling like thunder and all of our schemes scatter like oak leaves in a storm as our illusory sense of control washes down the drain with the rainwater. Far better to emulate Mary and go with the flow when the wind of God is blowing. She did have one question though. Since Mary was a virgin, she asked, how exactly am I going to bear such a special child? Notice that she asked how it would happen, not whether it could happen. Her inquiry about the divine promise pertained to methodology, not viability. Mary's faith undergirded her question, even as her question expressed her faith. She trusted the divine word she had received. She just wanted to know how the logistics would play out. Gabriel's answer, basically, was that the wind of God was blowing. The powerful unseen, active presence of God was rearranging things on the plane of human history like a 30 mile per hour gust rearranges things in the yard. Gabriel said the Holy Spirit, the wind of God, the breath of the Almighty would come upon Mary and the power of the Most High would overshadow her so that her child would be born as the Holy Son of God. In other words, what would happen was something spiritual, not something sensual. She would conceive the holy child from heaven, and he would be called the Son of God. The term Son of God had teeth because it was associated with the Roman emperor. Indeed, Caesar was touted throughout the empire as son of God, a a deified figure with divine authority. As Mary may well have known, to give birth to an alternative son of God was to challenge the emperor. It was to undermine Roman supremacy. It was to introduce a rival ruler with an alternative kingdom. In terms of divine authority, the wind of God was blowing the crown right off Caesar's head. 
Yet son of God was also a theological title. Gabriel's main point was that Jesus was from the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus was God's biological child. He had divine DNA. He had a heavenly genealogy. He had a supernatural lineage. He had almighty ancestry. While Jesus was human on his mother's side, he was divine on his father's side. Luke underscores the divinity of Jesus by tracing his origin directly to the Holy Spirit. Jesus was the offspring of the Spirit of God. He was the embodiment of the Spirit's power. He was the Spirit made flesh. He was the wind of God infiltrating earth in human form. Jesus, moving about the ancient countryside, was the wind of God blowing across the hills and plains. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, was the breeze of God blowing by the water's edge. Jesus, teaching the disciples, was the breath of God inspiring people within. Jesus was the Holy Spirit in person. Which is why the Apostle Paul sometimes referred to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Jesus or the Spirit of Christ. In the birth and life and person of Jesus Christ, the wind of God was blowing. Yet Mary was no passive pawn in the divine plot. Mary was an active, responsive human who made real decisions with real consequences. Can you imagine what would have happened if Mary had received the news from Gabriel and had replied, no thanks, I'm good. Can you imagine what would have happened if Mary had politely declined her role in God's plan? She was no puppet with strings stretching to heaven, being manipulated by the hand of God. Mary was a genuine person with an actual will, and she chose quite deliberately to believe God's word. She chose quite intentionally to do God's will. She chose quite volitionally to go with the flow of the Spirit. In so doing, Mary proved herself a model Christian, an exemplary disciple, a paragon of spiritual excellence. Here am I, she said, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Mary may have been an ordinary person, but she had extraordinary faith. She received God's grace, believed God's word, submitted to God's will, cooperated with God's spirit. She adjusted her life to God's purposes. She amended her existence to God's plan. Mary shows that God doesn't need us to set the agenda, but rather 
we need to yield to God's agenda. Like leaves in the wind. One day not long ago, I was out blowing leaves at my house. They had covered the driveway yet again. And rain was in the forecast, so I wanted to get them off the driveway as soon as I could. I cranked up my little electric leaf blower and started executing my strategic scheme, my well-organized plan. You know, at the bottom of the driveway, I blow the leaves into the road by the curb. In the middle of the driveway, I blow them into the wooded area. At the top of the driveway, I blow them into the edge of my backyard. But it was a rather blustery day. And every time I started blowing leaves at the bottom of the driveway toward the road, the wind blew them up the driveway right back into my face. Of course, I kept trying to blow the leaves down there into the road because, you know, I have a scheme, I, I have a plan, but the leaves just flew right back toward me and onto my driveway again. It turns out, if you're wondering, that the actual wind is considerably stronger than the artificial breeze my little leaf blower produces. I was getting nowhere blowing leaves against the wind. So I decided in that moment to forego my own strategic plan and relinquish my well-organized scheme, and I started blowing the leaves at the bottom of the driveway toward the top of it, toward our backyard. Now, it is a long way, and it's uphill, so it felt very strange, very counterintuitive, but, you know, it worked beautifully. When I decided to align my efforts with the direction of the wind, those leaves were off the driveway in no time. Likewise, spiritually speaking, the wind of God is blowing. And our own artificial breezes are meager by comparison. But if we follow Mary's lead and align our efforts with the direction of the Spirit... <laughs> we can play a meaningful role in the way God is rearranging things on the plane of human history. We can play a significant role in the way God is rearranging things for the purposes of love and joy and peace and righteousness and justice. Mary shows us how to give up our own plans to pursue God's Plan. Mary shows us how to abandon our own schemes to embrace God's scheme. Mary shows us how to forsake our own strategies to adopt God's strategy. Mary shows us how to relinquish our own will to do God's will. She shows us how to receive God's grace with faith and amend our life 
accordingly. She shows us how to go with the flow of the divine favor and adjust our existence correspondingly. She shows us how to give up the illusion that we are in control and yield to the way that God is moving. She shows us how to hear the word of God and respond with obedience. She shows us how to welcome a ruler whose authority surpasses all other authorities. She shows us how the word of God comes to ordinary places and the favor of God comes to regular people in the midst of our mundane lives. As the Spirit moved with Mary, so the call of God might well summon us to do something strange, something new, something unexpected, something holy, something hard, something beautiful, something counterintuitive, or something even more significant than we ever could have imagined. I just hope we'll respond with faith like Mary's. For the Son of God has come, and the wind of God is still blowing. Amen.